Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. Last week, we talked about, we really looked at a, a big paraphrase of a big portion of the book of Romans, and we're just exposing different lies that the enemy shares. And, and, and one of the things that we kind of focused in on was a passage of scripture in Romans chapter 7, where Paul talked about, you know, the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing those things. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing those things. Come on, do we have anybody who relates to that? Like, you have the greatest of intentions to go on a diet, to exercise, to never lose your temper again, to stop gossiping, to, you know, all these different things. We have all these uh, goals that we have, but then we keep finding ourselves back into a struggle and and doing things that we didn't feel like we we should be doing. And and so Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church in Rome, he's talking about this inward battle. But then he kind of defines where that battle takes place. And we're going to look at that in Romans chapter seven, verse twenty-two. It says, "I love God's law with all of my heart." So this isn't a matter of rebellion that I don't like what God's word says. He says, I, I love God's law, but there is another power that is within me that is at war with my mind. I want to kind of show that, that the battle that is taking place inside of us is, is, is a lot of times in our mind and it's this power makes me a slave to sin so that there is, so that, that is still within me. And, and, and then he talks about this. He says, the very next verse, he says, who is going to save me from this wretched body of death? How, how many of you ever been at the altar and you've prayed the prayers over and over again? God, I'll never do this again. I'll never act like this again. I'll never eat 14 pieces of cake again. I would never, you know, you know look at pornography. I'll never say that again. Like, and we make all those inward vows. And then we find ourselves later doing the very same thing. And so Paul identifies that there is a war that is going on within us. There is a war in between the voice of God and the law of God and what our flesh desires. Remember, we've talked about how in John chapter 8 that, that Jesus defined in, in verse 31 and 32, he talks about if you are my disciples, you continue in my word, then you are my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will bring Freedom, And then in, in, uh, later on, he says that the enemy, though, he doesn't speak of the truth. In fact, every time the enemy comes, he's speaking a lie because he is a liar. It's his nature, and he is the father of all lies. And you've all probably seen the little illustrations and stuff on a TV show where you've got the little demon on one shoulder and the little angel on the other, and they're speaking back and forth at each other. And listen, that is the battle that a lot of times is really going on inside of us. That as believers, we know what the Bible says about things. But there is part of us and part of the 
flesh in us and the enemy wanting to lie to us that says, listen, that doesn't apply to you. You have special exemptions from forgiving that person because of how much pain they've caused you. You have special exemption. And so the enemy's constantly lying. And so you've got these two voices. And remember, we identified that the truth, which is God's word, brings what? Freedom. It brings life. But believing a lie brings death. And there are areas in our lives as believers that even though we are saved and covered by the blood of Jesus, our sins are uh, forgiven, there are areas of our lives that a lot of times we still hold on to. There's that unforgiveness that we still hold on to. There's that rejection that we still hold on to. That abandonment, that, that wound, that pain that we identify ourselves with. And the enemy keeps telling us it would never be the same. It would never be the same. You're always going to struggle. You're, you're never going to be able to be free from that. But listen, the enemy is what? He's a liar. And so if he tells you there's no way that you can ever be free, you know what the opposite of that is? That there is a way that you can be free. But one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses is condemnation to keep us in that place of struggle. But Paul begins to identify and talk about this. And I know in, in Scripture, we went from chapter 7 into chapter 8. But Paul, remember, Paul is writing a clear letter. And so right after he says, I thank God that Jesus Christ has set me free. He, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 says, so therefore. Why? Because Christ has set me free. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you feel condemnation and you feel rejected by God because of a fault or a sin or something that you may have committed and you begin to, fall, begin to er, find areas of condemnation in your life, that should be an instantaneous thing that condemnation is a lie. Because the truth of God's word says that if we are in Christ Jesus, if we are believers, that there is no condemnation that is in us. And so when we begin to feel condemned, we need to instantaneously pull out the word of God and begin to cut away the lie that says, wait a minute, no, I am in Christ. I have given my life to Christ. I have been baptized into Jesus. I have been forgiven of my sins, so there is no condemnation in me. But what the devil wants to do is he wants to use condemnation to convince you that something is wrong with you. Now, Melody can find freedom and Melody can walk holy before God, but not you. Because, because Melody is a pastor's wife. So, so there's a certain level of freedom that pastor's wives are able to get that you're not able to get because you're not a pastor's wife. You're a coal miner's wife. And the devil will try to convince you that because you keep struggling in the same areas, that it means somehow you are defective, somehow you are hopeless, somehow your life is beyond the level of freedom. But Paul 
goes into this and he says, listen, there is nothing wrong with you. The problem is in the way that you're thinking. And he even talked about, we, you know, we read that scripture in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, don't be conformed to the ways of this world or the thought processes of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, we talked about how you replace a lie with the truth of God's word. So if the devil's trying to condemn you, then you replace that, that lie that the enemy shares with the truth of God's word, that there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. If the devil's trying to convince you that you're a sinner and you're never going to be good enough for God and, and all this stuff, then you find scriptures that combat the lie that the enemy has placed in your life. And that's when you pull out the armor of God and begin to use the sword of the spirit against the enemy to cut away the lies. And it says when you begin to do this transformation in your mind, then that is when you will begin to prove the, the will of God in your life, the perfect, the acceptable will of God that is in your life. And even in that Romans chapter 8, right after he explains and says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and, and everything, he goes in and he talks about that battle that is in the mind. Again, in verse 6, it says that the mind that is set upon the flesh brings death, but the mind that is set upon the spirit brings life and peace because the mindset of the the flesh is hostile toward God and it does not subject itself to the law of God and nor is it even able to do so now this is what I'm talking about about this battle that's going on inside of you there are areas in our life that we willingly hold back from God because it brings shame there are some offenses that we identify ourselves with. There are some wounds that we just label ourselves as that. You know, we, we talked about the whole thing of like uh, N.A. or A.A. and all that stuff. When you get up and the first thing you have to say is, hi, my name is Brandon and I'm an alcoholic. As, as long as you identify yourself as an alcoholic, you see yourself as an alcoholic, then anytime you have a sip of alcohol and you fall into the sin, you're going to write it off as, well, it's just who I am. This is all that I am and I'm always going to be an alcoholic, but you know what? That is a lie of the enemy, trying to convince you that you are what you do. But you are not what you do. What you do is just fruit of the thoughts that you allow to stay inside of you. And here he says that the flesh doesn't want to be subject to the word of God. And so if the flesh doesn't want to be subject to the word of God and the flesh is what is bringing death into our life, then what do you think the key to finding the life and peace is? To take every lie, every ounce of flesh that may be inside of your body that doesn't want to subject itself to the will of God and the word of God and subject it to the word of God. Stop making excuses and accepting the lie of the enemy that there's not true freedom. Stop believing the lie of the enemy that you will always struggle like this and you will always be identified by your past. Because the word of God says that the minute that you repent and you ask God into your life, your past is gone. 
never to be remembered against you again. So if it keeps coming up, who do you think is bringing it up? It's not God. It's not God. God isn't rubbing your mess, your face in the mess that you made. You know how a dog sometimes will mess in a house and you'll take your dog and you rub your face in it and kick him out the door, right, Vicky? Is that how you do it? Is that... Not any of y'all, before anybody calls PETA on me. I, I don't do that type of thing. I'm so just... But that's exactly the type, type of life that many believers live is feel like their face is always rubbed into their past. And it's because they are still allowing that lie to stick around that you are identified with your past when Christ has set you free from your past. And if we identify ourselves with our past, then we will always make justification and excuses for when we fall into sin. And Paul says, listen, that mindset that is, that is according to the flesh in verse uh, 8, it says that mindset that allows that flesh to just stay there and is set upon the flesh, that cannot please God. And the minute that I say that you're not going to please God if you have flesh, some of you, the devil automatically says, so you're never going to please God because you have flesh, because you do this, because you do this, because you had this, because you said this, because you looked at this. Why? Because he's instantaneously trying to take even scripture and make it bring condemnation into your life. When we have to understand that the spirit doesn't bring condemnation, the spirit brings conviction. And see, conviction is, this is where you are right now. But if you'll confess it, he'll forgive it and erase it and you can move on. Condemnation says you're never going to be able to change and this is who you are and you're always going to be this way. But then Paul didn't stop right there. Like if I, if I just stopped and said, if you've got flesh, you're never going to please God. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of pastors stop. You got flesh, all oh, that smoking, God hates it. That, that, that alcoholism, God hates it. That pornography, God hates it. That lying, God hates it, and you're all going to hell. God hates you because of your flesh. No, 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 no. Again, you're forgetting the first part that we read in Romans chapter 5. God doesn't hate you. He knew the condition that you were in when he got you. While you were helpless in your sin, he loved you and he demonstrated love to you. He moved before you even, like, look, you don't even have to take the first step. God began to initiate the process and open up the doors. That's the truth of the word of God. But Paul didn't stop with, if you've got flesh, you're going you're, you're gonna to split hell wide open, you heathens. You call yourself Christians and need to get up here and repent. I believe in repentance, but I also understand that the grace of God, like that if I get angry in a moment, that that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now I'm going to hell and I need to be saved again and rededicate my life to God. Because the grace of God is enough. When the Spirit of God comes, and brings conviction into my life instead of condemnation. He's just like, just, just bring it to me. Just bring it in subjection to my law. 
bringing in subjection to my word. You're outside of it right now, but just move it over where it needs to be. But Paul goes on and he says, those who are in the flesh, they can't please God. But however, come on, that, that, that's an important word there. Because he's telling them, listen, the people who stay in the flesh, they can't please God. But however, you're not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. Because if the spirit of God dwells inside of you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But if you are, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So he's basically saying, listen, you are brothers and sisters. You are the church. You are not the ones who should be walking around in flesh, not pleasing God. You are the ones who have the spirit of God in them. And even though you may sin, the spirit of God is able to bring righteousness and life back in that area where there was darkness. And then he just wants you to understand how powerful the Spirit is. Because I know that among a lot of denominations and a lot of teachings and things that it's limited the Holy Spirit and, 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 and who he is and what he does in our life. And, and you know, they don't, they, they're, they're afraid of the Holy Spirit and they think the Holy Spirit is weird and, and all of those things. But here Paul says, listen, I want you to understand the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. He says, but if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So it's not like Jesus had a different version of the Holy Spirit than you have. See, even sometimes we look at how Jesus was spirit-led and he was able to do different ministry and, and all this stuff, and we look at that and we, we kind of write it off, well, he was the son of God, so no wonder he was able to do this. But Jesus was fully man. Remember at the baptism, the spirit of God comes upon him. The Spirit of God leads him to be tempted. And then Jesus didn't even do, he didn't heal somebody if the Spirit of God didn't tell him to. He didn't say anything unless the Spirit of God told him to do it. And it says that that Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that lives inside of you. So if he can raise people from a physical death, do you not think that he is able to overcome your porn addiction, your drug addiction, your food addiction, your alcoholism, your gossip, your sin, your anger, your struggles? If he can raise the dead, then I think he is strong enough to be able to help you control your tongue or your thumbs. That's the Spirit of God that is inside of us. And then Paul goes on after that, and he begins, I'm going to give you three truths that I believe that Paul identified some lies that the enemy would come, and there's, I'm going to give you three truths that in this passage, the rest of Romans chapter 8, that, that, God, that Paul addressed to the church, and I believe that it's probably because he understood that most of us are going to battle this at some point in time. 
The first one is this, is that you are not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to sin. You are not under control of sin. Sin is not your master. So in other words, the power of God that is inside of you is stronger than the power of the enemy that tries to attack you. And you don't have to give in to sin. You don't have to identify yourself with the sin because Jesus came to set you free. Verse 12, he says, so then brothers and sisters, you are, no, you have no, you are not under no obligation to the flesh. You don't have to listen to the flesh. Just because you may have sinned in that area for 50 some years, you don't, you're not obligated it's not like you're in a covenant relationship with your sin that can't be broken. Some of us are in more covenant to our sin than we are covenant to God. Like we identify ourselves more with our sin, our faults, our failures, our hurts, and our wounds than we do as being children of God and having the Spirit of God inside of us. Do you see how much of the lies of the enemy that we have believed? Like, we think that it's like this chess match in between God and the devil and, and, and all this stuff. And like, oh, no, if I do this, then the devil might try to come and get me and everything. And there was, I'll be honest, like this morning, uh, somebody asked me a couple weeks ago, they were like, what can we pray for the, your church about and stuff? And, and I said, well, you need to pray. We're seeing a lot of people get set free and delivered and saved and seeing God move. We need to pray against the backlash of the enemy and that he won't try to steal and, 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 and interrupt what God is doing. Then this morning, I started praying for people who I've seen God do things in their life and God just protect them and all this stuff. And it was almost like God stopped me. He's like, do you not think that I'm bigger than him? Why are you more afraid of the devil than you are having a fear of me and a reverence of me? Like you're on the winning side. It has already been determined. Yeah, but the demons and the devil, they're so big. Listen, let's, let me give you a little math lesson here. Y'all ready for this? When the devil was kicked out of heaven, he convinced one-third of the angels to go with him, right? So that means two-thirds stayed with God, right? But we're so fearful over the one-third of demons, but even just mathematically, two-thirds is greater than one-third. So mathematically, there's more with us than with them. So why do we feel like it's so hopeless? And that's without even factoring in the God factor. Because, wait a minute. Like, understand this. The devil was cast down out of heaven. Who was the one that cast him down? So not only do we have more angels that are supporting us and fighting for us and protecting us, we've got the one who kicked them all out of heaven. And I don't even believe he had to lift a foot. 
Like, it wasn't like, oh, get out. Oh, you know, that type of thing. It was probably like, you gone. Anybody else want to go? Like, we good? I win. Right? Like, Holy Spirit inspired John to write this. Greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. You're not a slave to sin. You have no obligation to sin. So stop entertaining this sin. You're not obligated. You're not under contractual agreement with sin. It has no place in your life. Because the second thing, you are a son or you're a daughter of God. You know, even last week we talked about in Romans 6, it says, it talks about how should you carry on in sin? God forbid, why would you do that? Because those, your bodies that, that you used to use for sin, God now has designed that you take the members of your body and you use them for acts of righteousness. That you no longer identify and walk in the sin that you have, but you realize, wait a minute, no, no, no. I am a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, ruler of the universe. So one thing, why am I afraid of things? My dad's got it covered. He goes on and he says, and he addresses this. He says, for those who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. So the Spirit of God is inside of you. These are the sons and daughters of God. For you have not received the spirit of, of slavery again, to fear again but you have received a spirit of adoption whereby you can cry out, Abba, Father. And then he just wants to make sure that you understand because sometimes in the world today, there's a difference in the way that people treat adopted children versus biological children, but not with God. Because he goes on and it says, the spirit will testify that you're children of God. Which let me just stop there. If you have to convince somebody that they're saved, they're probably not. So stop convincing them and start leading them to true salvation. Because it says your spirit inside will bear witness with the fact that there's salvation. And some of you right there are like, well, then I need to be saved. And here in a few minutes, we're going to go into worship and you're going to be able to come up. And if you, if you don't know, if you don't have bear witness, like I know that I am saved, I know that my sins are under the blood, then you can know today. But he goes on and he says, if they're children, they're heirs also. And if they're heirs of God, they're fellow heirs. One translation puts it this way, they are joint heirs with Christ. Now, I always use this illustration to understand that joint. It means like equal heirs, equal opportunity. That the very thing that Christ had access to, we have access to. So the power to heal the sick, set the demons free, or set the captives free from demons, all those things like that. Those are all things that we have power as, as believers in Christ. In fact, we're commissioned to do that. The Great Commission was to go into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, cast out demons, heal the sick. Why would he tell us to do something that we can't do? 
He is not a cruel God. Do you see how much we limit? Like if, if I said, okay, listen, we're going to have a deliverance service. We got these 10 people that are demon possessed and, and they're going to come up and then you guys are going to go pray for them. Half of you would leave. You'd be like, I'm out. I'm gone. I can't pray. I can't cast out no demon. I can't. Do you have the spirit of God in you? The same spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead? The same spirit of God that led Jesus when he cast out demons? The same spirit of God that led Paul when he cast out demons? The same spirit of God that led the disciples when they cast out demons? The same spirit of God that's led me and Melody and Addie and different people when they've cast out demons? There's no differentiation. And if, if that sounds freaky and you're like, I don't understand this demon talk, can I get out of here? Please, listen. There is a book. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to give you two books, and one of them we have here, that just takes all the spookiness out of this. One of them is called Slaying Dragons. It's at the cafe. It's over there with the suggested reading thing. And we've got more coming. It only takes them about two years to get here when we order them. I don't know if it's my assistant's fault or what. I don't know. We'll, or God just not wanting them to get here. I don't know what that... but we are watching just this little practical thing. And the majority of it, can I tell you something? The majority of it, the book is written on getting rid of the junk that's in you. Finding the lies in the flesh and the areas that you haven't subjected to the word of God and getting rid of it. So I'm actually not going to give you two books. I'm going to start there, read that one. And then I'll give you the second one. So after you read the first one, if you want a second one, come see me and I'll give it to you. But joint heirs means you have joint access. Me and Melody have a joint checking account. Some of you husbands know exactly where I'm going with this. Now, in my particular household, I put more money in to the joint checking account. But we both have this little debit card. And she has a spiritual gift of swiping. But because it's a joint account, it's not based on who put what in. We have equal access. Some of you wives are too excited about that aspect of things. You're looking at your husband like, see, I told you, you need to let me go shopping. Don't get off point here, okay? So it's not about what we put in to the account because we already have full access because of Jesus. And here's the thing. He already put everything in. There's none of it that we even have to earn, but we get all the rights and we get all the access. But this is one of the biggest things that the enemy comes and tries to attack is your understanding of what it means to be a son or daughter of God. And he did the same thing to Jesus. You know, we talked about that story in Matthew chapter 3. Pull it up real quick. Matthew 3. And Ryan, you can come on up. It says, after he was baptized, Jesus came up out of the water. 
And, uh, you know, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, and like, like a dove, not a dove came down and rested upon his shoulder as a dove, and settled upon him. And behold, there was a voice of heaven. Look at this. This is God's proclamation. This is my beloved son. That's my boy. And I love him. And I am well pleased with him. And then Jesus went into the wilderness. Very next verse says, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And the devil comes. And I want you to look at what the devil said to him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. It says, after he had fasted for a while. uh, Verse 2, sorry. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. The tempter came and said, if... You are the son of God. Command these stones to become bread. So if you're really the son of God, I know what you heard, but if you're really it, perform a work for me, monkey, puppet. Come on, do something. Show me. Jesus didn't get into the show me thing. He just rebuked him and said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I ain't got time for you, devil. I don't have to prove anything to you, devil. I know who I am. And the devil didn't get the point. In verse 5, he came back and it says, Then the devil came again. And he took him up to a holy city. And he had him go to the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, If you are the Son of God, again, question your identity. This is where the devil's sneaky. If you're the son of God, and if you look in that, it's a, you see how it's, it's uh, bolded, like, uh, yeah, bold print, capital print. That's what, capital letters. There we go. Those capital letters aren't, we didn't draw attention to that. In the NASB, if it's quoting an Old Testament passage, it puts it in capital letters so that you can know that it's quoting an Old Testament passage. It says he'll give his angels charge around you. And on their hands, they will uh, lift you up so that you don't strike your foot against the stone. He's quoting Psalms 91. He's giving him the word of God. And unfortunately for a lot of the church, well, wait a minute, that sound, I've heard that before. That's in scripture somewhere before. I remember a pastor preaching on that one time. And that enough for a lot of people would make them have to either try to perform or try to do whatever the enemy's trying to get them to do. And Jesus again, just like, but it is also written that you shouldn't put the Lord your God to the test. What did he do? He replaced the lie or the doubt that the enemy was trying to bring with the truth. And he quoted the word of God. And when he did, the devil had to leave. What does James say? Submit yourself to God, resist the devil. And what? He'll flee from you. Some of you need to get the devil off your back because you're entertaining him. You're rotating through believing the lie and speaking the lie and agreeing with the lie and acting like the lie and all of those things. And you need to first submit that area to the word of God. 
If there is an open door for sin, submit it to God's word so that there's no longer an open door. If there's unforgiveness, forgive. If there is, is anger and hatred, then release and forgive. If Whatever it is, submit the area. Stop making excuses for the area and identifying with the area. Submit it to the word of God. And then when the devil comes, there's a little old lady that used to go to a church that I went to growing up. And her famous saying is, devil, you can peddle your paper somewhere else because I ain't buying it. The devil would come to me and tell me that cancer is coming back in my body. And I just tell him, devil, go peddle your paper somewhere else. I ain't buying that. And you know what? She was healed of cancer. She, she didn't invite the lie. She didn't embrace the lie. And then the final thing that Paul addresses is this. Is that nothing can change God's love for you. The worship team, you guys can come on up. We'll go back into worship here in a minute, but Romans 8, 31 and 32. What should we say of these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? You see, some of you, you don't want to do ministry because you're afraid you're going to make the devil mad and then he's going to attack you and, and he's going to get your kids. And, and if you just keep it in neutral and you just play it safe in your home and you don't bother him, he won't bother you. You think that's the arrangement that you got going on, but then you realize that you're in bondage and, and, and things. there's attacks in your life. You've got depression. You've got fear. You've got all these things. Why? Because you have opened the door. You've, you've allowed the enemy access. Because God gave you a clear instructive, go, go make disciples, go teach people about me. Go minister to the poor and the hurting. Go reach those. Don't forsake the assembling together of the brethren. Don't just sit at home and watch. Get in a body of believers. Get among them. At least get in a small group or a house group or something like that. Get together with other believers and study the word of God. There's so many clear instructions that we just ignore. And he goes on and says, and if he didn't spare his own son, but he delivered him also to us, then how much more will he freely give us all things? Verse uh, 35, who will separate us from the love of God? Will tribulation? Will uh, trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID racial tensions economic downturn social media controlling the media is that going to separate us from God's love censoring our posts on social media is that none of those things but in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You are not the victim, you are the victor. Live like it. You don't have to be afraid because God didn't give you fear. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Walk in it. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Stop being entangled with sin and bitterness and anger and hatred and malice and strife. But in Ephesians, sometimes when you listen to some of Paul's letters, it's almost like he's being insensitive and unrealistic. Because he'll just say, just take off that strife. 
Take off that anger. Take off that malice. Release that forgiveness. Just like it's like it's some easy thing to do. Well, if I had a chain wrapped around my hands and the thing was untied and wasn't locked, I could easily just take the chain off and drop it, right? Why? Because the lock has been broken. The bondage is gone. That's exactly what it is. But too many of us, we pick up the chains. We're like, you're right, devil. And we just wrap ourselves back up. But that's why Paul said in Galatians, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you think that the blood of Jesus somehow magically has changed now? And that you got to crawl back up and bind yourself back up? No, you're free. I'm convinced that neither death nor height nor angels or principalities, which is demons. Go back real quick. Go back one. Nor principalities. Okay, that's demonic forces. Angels. Remember the demons were angels that were fallen angels and things. He's included in here. Nor things present or uh, uh, powers to come, nor height, nor death, or any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing. There's nothing that as a child of God has a right to hold you in bondage. There is nothing you can do that will earn God's love or cause you to lose God's love. Because God's love is not conditional like ours. There is nothing that will happen on this earth. No freedom that is taken away, no economic downturn, no any of those things that is going to mean that God now hates you and is angry with you and doesn't love you and isn't going to take care of you. You are his son. You are his daughter. And I just know as an earthly father, like if things got limited and we didn't have a lot of resources, I would do without to make sure my kids and my wife had things. I mean, men, you, I mean, you're not going to sit back and feast while your kids starve. And if we as earthly people who don't operate in the love of God, would have that mentality that I'm going to make sure I'm going to take care of my kids and how much more is God going to take care of us? He's not just going to abandon us. He loves you. And honestly, sometimes I don't think we love on Him the way that we should love on Him. And the Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. And I've watched how we worship sometimes. We come in here and we'll sing a little song and we'll kind of go through the motions of things and then we'll start looking at our watch and be like, hey, Pastor Brown, ever going to get done? You know, like, then we already sing this song. We've been on this song for seven minutes. This ain't Bethel. What are we doing here? I mean, this isn't the extended cut. This is Mount Hope, West Virginia, and we ain't doing no 23-minute song, bro. I just don't get it. But the angels in heaven have been circling around him for all eternity, singing, holy, 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 holy. And it's never gotten old to him. Why? Because our God is that holy. Our God is that amazing. Our God is that mighty. His love is that great. So why are we in bondage? Why do we hold back? Our God is greater than any sin, any struggle, any lie that we have embraced in 
son is set free, is free to love on their father with an extravagant love, with a passionate love. Can we return the love that God demonstrated to us to him? Not in the way that we feel like we can do. We don't want no public displays of affection. No. That's why the woman poured out the anointing oil on his feet. And it was the religious disciples and people who were like, that's wasteful. There's nothing wasted at the feet of Jesus. And as we get ready to go into worship, can we worship God to the level that he deserves? As we celebrate our nation's freedom, can we celebrate the spiritual freedom that we have? Can we be free to raise our hands? Can we be free to get on our face? Can we be free to drop to our knees? Can we be free to just pour out our love on God? Or are we going to be concerned about the person standing to the right or to our left? Our God is worthy of more praise and more honor. And there's nothing, if nothing can separate us from his love, there should be nothing that hinders us from pouring our love out on him and giving him the worship and praise he deserves. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.com. We love you and have a great day.